2: And on today's show, we're talking about investments. More specifically, we're talking about the case for incorporating precious metals into a diversified portfolio as a hedge against the volatility inherent in both the stock and bond markets. Historically, gold and other precious metals, to a lesser extent, have been the way we trade with one another across borders and globally. Gold bars were the original store of value before there ever was such a thing as the U.S. dollar, and the gold standard was so consistent in its ability to maintain its value through varying economic cycles that we even backed up our dollars with it, that is, until the early 1970s. In fact, professional traders on Wall Street will tell you that an allocation to gold or some other precious metal has helped to increase the efficiency of a diversified portfolio of stock and bonds over time, by reducing negative returns during periods of extreme market volatility. They can also act as risk management tools for investors by providing effective diversification against other riskier assets you may also have in that portfolio. However, as of late, investing in precious metals such as gold and silver has fallen out of favor and given way to other assets such as cryptocurrency specifically, which begs the question of whether precious metals still have a place in a well-diversified portfolio going forward or whether maybe a consensus has shifted more broadly, and these types of investments are to be seen as more of a one-off, or a star of value like cash, or some other currency sitting inside of one's safe. But I am by no means the world's foremost expert when it comes to the world of precious metals, so I decided to call up someone who is and have a conversation. My guest, Patrick Yip, is the Director of Business Development at both the American Precious Metals Exchange and One Gold an online precious metals platform that makes it easy for Main Street to invest in physical assets. So with that brief introduction, welcome, Patrick Gibb to the Tech Money Podcast.
3: Hey, thanks for having me on.
2: Yeah, no, I appreciate you making the time to do this, man. And I, I breezed through your resume really quickly in my intro there. What else should I have included about you?
3: Yeah. So Atmex or the American Precious Metals Exchange is the largest precious metals dealers in the US. We've been in business for over 20 years, have done over 15 billion in lifetime sales. And we estimate that we have about a 30 to 40% share of the US market. I've personally been with the company for about 11 years. I've held various roles in merchandising, sales, project management, marketplaces, and now business development.
2: So I think what I'm to take from that more generally is like you guys cover the gamut, right? I focused on gold in my introduction a little bit there because it's what people are most familiar with when we say precious metals. I incorporated silver because silver has always been kind of the sidecar to the motorcycle that is gold, right? The same way that Bitcoin and Ethereum tend to be in tandem that same way it's the the Robin to its Batman. But a question that I have for you Before we get into everything else, you know, that we're planning on discussing is whether you guys focus specifically on just those two as the main course, if you will, when it comes to precious metals, or is the focus more broadly into other types of metals?
3: Yeah. So we sell uh, all four of the precious metals. So we sell gold, silver, platinum, and palladium. And out of the four metals, we sell different forms. So we sell coins, bars, rounds. We also sell rare coins, like what we call numismatics, So stuff that was made, let's say hundreds of years ago, we sell collector coins too, as well. So if you want something with peanuts, or if you want something with Cadillac or something like that, we sell those too as well.
2: Hmm. Okay. So the, the, The gold bars I have sitting in my safe, I just, the imaginary gold bars that I have sitting in my (laughs) safe that I just mentioned can also have, you know, my favorite sports team on it or, or my favorite cartoon character or something like that. You're saying,
3: yeah, we have probably about 25,000 products in stock ready to ship. So Hmm. yeah, we have, you could spend hours on the site.
2: So here's something I'm curious about just on a personal note, right? Because of all the things you could have done with a background in finance, why precious metals? Like I ask because it's not the most exciting sector or industry to spend your days thinking about as a younger person looking at the financial industry. So, like, what attracted you to this this space? Yeah,
3: that's a great question. So, I'm sure you and many of your guests would remember what happened in 2008 in the financial mm-hmm. crisis. So back then, I had a portfolio made of stocks and bonds through typical. Portfolio that most of Main Street have, has. When the financial crisis hit, hit, my portfolio got chopped in half. Hmm. I kind of joke here and there that my 401k turned into a 201k. I then asked my financial advisor, I said, What happened? And I recall him saying something like, No one could have predicted it, that crash. Yeah. So it got me starting to look into Austrian economics, and which got me into precious metals. So during 2008, Gold actually corrected, but ended the year up, unlike stocks, which were down almost 50%. Mm -hmm. So in the next couple of years after 2008, I became more and more interested in precious metals. And in 2011, I actually decided to relocate from LA, where I've been for basically most of my life, to Oklahoma City. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I've been here for 11 years and love it.
2: Well, so let's stay there for a second, because in my intro, I mentioned precious metals are typically seen as a means to hedge against the volatility of the stock and bond markets, which 2008 was a very extreme case of that. But to your point, had you dumped all your money in gold in probably March of 2008, you might have missed you know a significant portion of that one, but you'd also have had positive returns during that time too, right? But is there more to it than that? Is there any other reason you recommend owning precious metals?
3: Yeah. So I think let's first talk about the current economic climate, and then we'll get into how uh, a couple asset classes are likely to perform if that, if that works with you. Yeah. So I think inflation is a big topic in the news right now. You're That's hearing inflation's. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> You're hearing inflation is running at eight and a half percent or basically mm-hmm. the highest level in over 40 some years. So what, what happened in the past inflationary cycle? So unfortunately, you have to go way back. As I mentioned, it's the highest in 40-some years. So you look at 1960s, we had an inflationary cycle. It took the Fed nine years to resolve that inflationary cycle. Mm-hmm. In the 1970s, we had a similar inflationary cycle. It took the Fed five years to resolve that inflationary cycle. So we're less than two years in, first of all, like inflation in January of 2021 was only 1%. And many people are feeling pinched with just a year and a half inflation. Mm -hmm. Um, So that gets me to my next point of of like, okay, so how are different asset classes likely to perform in this inflationary environment? So if I go back to the 1960s, the S&P was actually down over that inflationary cycle. So not only did you lose nominal purchasing power, you lost dollar purchasing power because inflation hit 12% in the 1960s. You look at the 1970s, the S&P was only up 4%, basically flat, while inflation was running at 15%. So you were actually down on real purchasing power in stocks. So if you look at gold, on the other hand, gold did very well during that period. So the 1960s, gold went up from $35. It was actually pegged in 71 at 35. It went all the way up to $200 for a five times increase. Hmm. And then you look at 1970s, the gold went up from 100 to 850 for an 8X increase. So my thought is if history repeats and you see asset classes perform as they did in the 60s and 70s during this inflationary rising interest rate cycles, stocks are likely to struggle while gold's likely to perform well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it- it makes sense to your point. History does not, doesn't ever repeat, but it does tend to rhyme, right? So it makes sense that you would expect similar outcome, right? Once we do make it to the other side of whatever this inflationary environment actually looks like, then we'll be able to look backwards and say, oh yeah, there it is on the map, right? So I hope that the current inflationary cycle doesn't last five or 10 years like you just gave us in your historical example, but even if it lasts 2 years right we can turn around and look backwards and go oh yeah during that period the stock market fell into bear market territory the bond market joined it somehow even though those are not supposed to move in tandem based on what i learned in investment school and gold and other precious metals you know I- i'm being hypothetical here but stayed flat or were positive at the point that that we look back on that chart right that's what we expect to be the outcome. So I I completely understand that the case that you're making as, you know, it's more of an inflation hedge than ever before in periods of hyperinflation like we're experiencing right now, where at eight and a half percent, to put it simply for people who are maybe listening to this and wondering, like, why does inflation actually matter when it comes to my investment portfolio? Right. It's simply the fact that at eight and a half percent for a year, that means that at the end of that year, the dollar that you held in your pocket is only worth something like eighty-five cents of what it was. No, that's not right. Eighty-one dollars and fifty cents of what it was in that double-digit inflationary period you're talking about, or you know, we get to what is that ninety-one dollars and fifty cents? I think today in in 2022's inflationary environment. So two, three years of that consistently. Now your dollar is only worth seventy cents on the dollar, something like that. And that's where you really have to worry about purchasing power, which is the term that you used before. So just wanted to clean that up a little bit, put some color around it and make sure that folks are are playing from the same sheet of music. But I, I definitely take your point around like hyperinflation being a time that you want to look at precious metals as an alternative.
3: Yep. Just one quick comment on that too. Another way I I like to simplify it too for certain investors is like, let's say you held cash Mm -hmm. and 8.5% inflation for five years, if you compound that is going to erode 35%. Of your cash purchasing power, um, and that's that's what the the cycle we saw in the seventies. And then if you had eight and a half percent over nine years, that's going to erode fifty five percent of your wealth. So my thought is you definitely don't want to be holding cash for a long period of time. So it's good to have some liquidity, mm-hmm. but don't just plan on holding cash for the next ten years because you're going to see that purchasing power significantly drop.
2: I appreciate you cleaning that up for me. I was trying to do math live on the air on a uh, on a podcast, <laughs> which is never easy to do. So thank you for making that as simple as you did but on a you know related unrelated note uh, what percentage of a person's portfolio then would you recommend or or expect that they allocate to this specific asset class let's say that my focus is specifically i want to have something that's not correlated to the rest of my portfolio to hedge against that downturn that that volatile period that we're talking about that 08 cycle that got you in this space in the first place so maybe inflation Aside for a second, what percentage of a person's portfolio would you recommend they're always allocating to that asset class?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. And obviously everyone's situation is different. I want to kind of highlight a disclaimer, so I'm not going to say there's a one-size-fits-all for everyone, but I think what we can do is we look at history. Obviously, history is factual. It's not me making a recommendation. I'll go into a couple of stats here. So obviously people are looking at precious metals for portfolio diversification, and typically, as I mentioned before at the beginning of this call, like people typically have an allocation of stocks and bonds. And the mm-hmm. thought is, if you want a high return, you're okay with some volatility, you'll have a heavier stock weighting. On the other hand, if you want low volatility, you would have a heavier bond weighting. The downside about this approach is, is you look at this year in 2022, both stocks and bonds are down. So mm-hmm. what, what one was supposed to do to protect the other, it didn't work. So, let's look at history. So, if we look at the last 50 years of data and looking at 10-year average returns. So, this is assuming you held on to this portfolio for at least 10 years. I'm not talking about one time one year returns because as you know anything could happen. Another 2008 could happen, but I'm not going to penalize stocks or gold for that because typically what happens in big corrections like that, the following year it it rebounds the other way. So, this is looking at a 10-year investment horizon. So, it's almost possible to have the return of a 100% stock portfolio with the volatility of 100% bond portfolio. And if any of you have studied this uh, portfolio analysis and the efficient portfolio frontier, mm-hmm. I think that's what it's called. But there's there's a whole thing you could look into that. I'm not going to get into it in, in great detail in this call. But basically, if I look at the last 50 years, as I mentioned, 10-year average returns, and these are real returns. So this is factoring in inflation. You're looking at stocks have an average annual return of 7% with a standard deviation of 5%. Mm-hmm. The standard deviation on high levels just volatility. You look like at bonds 5% return so slightly lower than stocks but a 3% standard deviation. So so l- lower return, lower volatility. If you happen to do a 20% allocation to gold and an 80% allocation to stocks or to the S&P, you'd actually have a 6.7% return. So slightly under the return of a hundred percent stock portfolio Mm -hmm. and a 2.7% standard deviation. So lower than the hundred percent bond portfolio. So that's just 20, 20% gold, 80% S&P. But like I said, every person's situation is different. Obviously, if you're older, I would say you definitely need to need to be more conservative. If you're younger, maybe this allocation works.
2: Well, let me also throw in there just for, for clarification's sake, because again, we're trying to do math over a uh, an audio medium, right? I want to also incorporate in there the the reason that those numbers you just threw out there, the volatility metric, the standard deviation, as well as the average annual return and the inflation adjusted return that you threw out, what you're calling the real return. Basically, what you just highlighted is that you could accomplish almost the same return with half of the amount of volatility. And the reason we keep using the word volatility is because it's the measure of how far up and how far down your portfolio is likely to move over the course of a year or this 10 year period that you're talking about. So us getting to the same place at the end of 10 years might sound to someone like, well, then what's the point, right? Like if I'm gonna get to the same place that you got, or I'm gonna get that extra three-tenths of a percent by the time we get there, then what's the point in even owning 20% of my portfolio and something like gold? It's the consistency of those returns that we're after, right? So just focusing on the end result is one thing, but also focusing on how much heartburn you're likely to suffer over that 10-year period when looking at your statements versus the next person is also an important piece of the investing puzzle.
3: Yep. Great point. No one likes 2008 or even 2020 when you saw that massive downturn in all assets. So the, the the lower standard deviation helps you sleep better at night during those periods.
2: Well, let me ask you this, since you bring that up, do you have any insight into whether people are more willing to, to hold precious metals now following the financial crisis and the collapse of you know some of the largest financial institutions? Sure. But just bringing it to November 2021 right when we were riding on a high and literally any and everything was up right there was a super high tide that was raising all boats any idea if people are are owning more precious metals in the last you know call it 12 months or whether the percentage ownership you know among retail investors about is about the same as it was back in 06 or 07 before the financial crisis or 2020 to summer 2021 before our recent bear market.
3: Yeah, so we're seeing record demand across all areas on Apex and One Gold and and like I mentioned before, we have probably about a 30 to 40% share of the market in, mm-hmm. in the US. So I would say the trends we're seeing here are large probably indicative of what the broader precious metals industry is seeing. So we're seeing sales at more than double from a couple of years ago. This is comparing today's numbers in 2022 versus let's say 2019 before COVID. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we're actually on track to ship over 2 billion in precious metals to retail customers. And the majority of our business is the retail public seeking precious metals. We're seeing new customers at double um, what we've seen from a couple of years ago. And just earlier this year, we've seen, we had our best Sales month ever, selling over 265 million in precious metals to retail customers. So I would say there's definitely people running to precious metals Mm -hmm. um, during this high inflationary period.
2: But would you consider it a, a, a trade that folks are regularly moving in and out of as the market moves, right? As a knee jerk reaction to what else is happening? In the markets more broadly? Or is it something I should be seeing as more of a long term trend that folks are going to buy and hold? This is their entry point and this is their awakening moment, but they're going to be holding on to this asset class long term. Like, you know, I assume you're recommending most, if not all, people hold on to it.
3: Yeah, it's hard to say exactly what everyone is planning and doing, but sure. a, a lot of times people buy precious metals and we rarely see them sell back. Like, there's, there, we sell a lot more metal than we do buy back. And then we do make a two way market too. So we'll, we'll buy anything, we'll sell anything we have. Um, but there certainly are a lot more. Sales than, than buybacks, but in terms of my thoughts too, I I think this is personally a longer term hold, at least for the next couple of years. And the mm-hmm. reason for that is I think a lot of things are cyclical. Nothing goes up forever. Nothing goes down forever, right? Mm-hmm. So if you look, you know, let's let's just look at modern times now, from two thousand to two thousand eleven. You you hear that the S and P had a lost decade. I'm sure you probably heard that too, and it was actually down um, down about fourteen percent, I believe, over that first. The first 11 years of the decade. Whereas you look at gold on, during that same time, it went from 250 to 1900. So gold performed, S&P did not perform during that 2000 to 2011. And then fast forward from 2011 to now, the cycle reversed. So stocks went up. So the S&P went up from 1250 to 4800. It basically made a fourfold move mm-hmm. to the beginning of 2022 gold on the other hand started at 1900 and went down to 1050 and now it's back it was it was around 1900 earlier in the year it's probably 17 and change but basically gold's been flat for that 11 years mm-hmm. if you look right now and like stocks are starting to correct i think anyone who who owns stocks right now in, in 2022 would see their portfolio down quite a bit I personally think it's time for that cycle to reverse. Just like I said, nothing goes up forever. Nothing goes down forever. Yep. I think stocks are likely to struggle in the next couple of years and then gold's likely to perform. And it's been, I mean, since 2008, it's been 14 years since we've had a major recession. I'm not bearish on the economy. It's just, we need to clean out some of the excess.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I take your point that things tend to move in cycles, right? And we we may be witnessing the uptrend, the very beginning of the next cycle, which, you know, uh, if you're right i'm sure you'll be extremely thrilled you know at the end of this decade when you look back and go oh there it was and anyone who is that new customer you're talking about who's walking in the door and saying i need to to allocate to gold whether they're buying the gld or they're buying physical gold uh, bars, right? Or something in between is also happy that they made that trade. But as you said that, it made me think of something else, which may be a silly question, but I'll ask it anyway. But why do people still buy physical gold and silver at this point, right? In a cashless or almost cashless society we're approaching, at least, it it seems a little outdated, but I know there's a reason that I'm missing here. So why is that still the way that people prefer to, to own the asset?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. And at Atmex, we like to provide solutions for all types of investors. Obviously, one way to buy gold or silver is to buy the physical. Mm -hmm. The thought there is a lot of people like tangible off-the-grid assets. So if you have gold coins, if you have silver coins, no one knows you own it. No one could hack it away from you. You could easily pass it from generation to generation. And I think the biggest thing is taxes are self-reported. I do recommend that you do report your taxes, but I can't say, say that for everyone, but it's just the whole privacy aspect of physical is, is just nice. You could, you could hide it. No one knows you have it. If you happen to run into a lawsuit, no one knows you have it, so they can't confiscate assets.
4: Hey there, listeners. It's Eric with an A, and I'm interrupting the show for just a moment to tell you about our newest offering, The Tech Money Guide to Restricted Stock Units. This guide was developed to teach those who are paid in RSUs to develop a plan for how and when to convert those shares into actual dollars, as well as how to incorporate them into your overall personal financial plan. You may have already heard episode 50 where Malcolm described the guide in detail, as well as his own philosophy and rules of thumb when it comes to managing this valuable form of equity compensation. If you haven't, no problem. We would still encourage you to head on over to tech-money.com and download a free copy of the guide today. There's also a link to it in the show notes of this episode. Again, that web address is tech-money.com, and you can download a free copy of the guide right there from the homepage. In keeping with the promise of this show, our hope is that the Tech Money Guide to Restricted Stock Units helps make you just a little smarter about your money. Now back to the show.
2: So I I take that point, and I'm going to move us in a little bit different direction real quick because one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on is that your company, One Gold, allows people to earn their credit card rewards in the form of gold and silver rather than points or uh, cash back like an Amex or a uh, typical Visa card or something similar, And which I find extremely unique. I had never heard of it before. How does that actually work?
3: Yeah. So I think there's two questions there. So I'll first give an introduction about OneGold and then I'll yeah. give an introduction on the bullion card, which is that credit card that you are referencing. So what OneGold is, it's a way, and as I mentioned at Atmex, we like to provide solutions for all types of investors. So One Gold is a solution that allows people to buy a vaulted position of gold, silver, or platinum. So back in 2018, we partnered with Sprott, which is basically a large alternative investment manager with 22 billion under management to come up with one gold, which is basically a new and modern way to purchase precious metals. Mm -hmm. A lot of people call it the Robin hood of precious metals because it's so, so easy and intuitive. And what OneGold does, as I mentioned, you you could buy, sell, and trade vaulted positions of gold, silver, and platinum. We first start by having agreements with vaulting companies. So such as a company like Brinks or Loomis, we then source metal on the wholesale market. So these are basically larger bars that retail customers don't have access to. We publish the metal on OneGold, we make it available for sale. When it's purchased by a customer, the customer has title. It doesn't appear up on on our balance sheet. Prices are some of the most attractive pricings for precious metals online, uh, since customers own basically part of a larger bar. All the metals insured and audited, and then if if you do have one of those customers that says, "Hey, I want to take my gold," I I, I decided I want to hold a gold bar in my hand. We offer a redemption option where your metal could be swapped into any of the twenty five thousand products available at Avex. So that's high level what one gold is. And then I'll get into the bullion card now, if, if that works with you, which is a credit card you were talking about. Yeah, sure. So what the bullion card is, it's something that just launched a couple of weeks ago, but it's the first ever precious metals rewards credit card. So instead of earning cash back or airline miles, this card allows you to earn gold or silver with your everyday spend. A couple high level benefits on it. So it's 4% back in gold and silver if you buy on AppEx and one gold. 1% back on everything else, including your gas, grocery, shopping, and, and whatever. We offer 15,000 bonus points, which is $150 value after spending $1,500 in the first 90 days of opening so that you uh, could get some uh, you know, precious metal, lower your cost of precious metals with that. Uh, the card has no annual fee. And then we're offering zero percent APR on purchases for twelve months and zero percent APR on balance transfers for twelve months. So the high level, those are the benefits. In terms of how it works, I would go check it out on One Gold. But basically, you could have your points automatically redeemed into gold, silver, or platinum. So it's basically a set it and forget it plan. If you like gold, all your rewards would get in, get invested into gold every single month. But that you could check so, us out. Oh,
2: yeah, go for so it. So you guys are buying into the shared repository. I make a hundred dollar purchase. I think you said 4% is my cash back figure. So that means I'm getting $4 basically on that hundred dollar purchase worth of share in this physical gold repository that exists that you guys are maintaining for me. Did I get that right? That That is a hundred percent correct. Okay. That's what I was asking, like the mechanics of how you actually stake me right? Like, it's not like you're going to shave off a couple of flakes of a gold bar and mail it to me every single time I make a purchase. And so my brain was just like, well, how in the heck do I actually own the gold? Then I assume you're not going to buy me shares of the GLD ETF. So then what are we doing here? And so when I came across that online, I was like, this is extremely unique. I have never seen this before, but also how the heck does it work?
3: Yeah. And and that's a great point too, because unfortunately if you can't buy, well, you you don't want to buy $4 of gold because the the problem is, it's probably going to be in gold grain. The markup's going to be crazy. It's just not the best best way to buy gold. Mm -hmm. So the thought is like, if you have $4 in gold, you own $4 in a, Big four hundred ounce gold bar that's worth a couple hundred thousand dollars, and then if you ever want to say, hey, I happen to have a ton of gold and, and I don't want this, I guess this fractional ownership of this large four hundred ounce gold bar. One gold has a redemption option where you could take a one ounce gold bar uh, and, and ship it to your house if you ever want the gold in your hand. Or another thing is if you just want the access to the gold price, you could own the gold and then when when you think that gold's at a good price to sell, then you sell it and then you cash it out into your checking account and we'll send the funds. You know, the same day.
2: So uh, let's dig there a little bit deeper. Cause one of the things also that came to my mind as I came across this online was why would somebody want to receive shares of gold or silver instead of cash, right? If I get cash rewards, I know what I'm going to buy with that cash. I'm walking down the street to Starbucks and I'm going to buy a cup of coffee with that cash back, right? But separately from that, if I understand it correctly, it sounds like you guys are creating this as an entry point into owning the asset class and maybe a way to kind of broaden the consumer base of who suddenly is interested in owning the asset class. When you made that case about after I've built up enough in rewards, I can exchange it for a physical gold bar or an ounce of gold, a gold coin or whatever that is when the light bulb kind of went off. But am I characterizing that, right? Is that sort of the the longer term play here? Or are you guys seeing something different?
3: No, that that's exactly right. So my thought is some people like cashback, others like airline miles. With the bullion card and one gold, the, the nice thing about it is it's a set and, and forget it plan. So people, a lot of people participate in their corporate 401k plans as a way mm-hmm. to automatically invest every, every two weeks when they get paid. So the nice thing about the bullion card is you could set it. Let's say you want gold. You set your allocation to gold you go shopping at Target, Costco, wherever you, you shop, you get rewards. And every month, you're going to get gold. You don't need a remember to say, oh, well, I forgot to buy gold this month. Or, oh, mm-hmm. did, when, when was the last time I bought gold? You just let it do it by itself. It's just like your 401k. You let it build and build and build. And, and someday you log in and you're like, oh, didn't even know I had that much money in there. So that's, that's the plan with this thing is to allow people to basically invest in precious metals as they spend.
2: Hmm. So- That's reminding me too of uh, uh, another conversation I had on this show recently about investing in, in cryptos in a similar way, which makes me then wonder, do you consider Bitcoin and other cryptos to be a legitimate alternative, I guess, to precious metals as a means to hedge against inflation or volatility or as a store of value or whatever your belief system is around either of those asset classes? Yeah,
3: that's a great question. I get this a lot, too. A lot of times people say, is it gold or is it crypto? And I personally consider crypto as more of a speculation at this point. Mm -hmm. And the reason for this is precious metals have been around for thousands of years. You look at Bitcoin, which is probably the most or I think it is definitely the most well-known cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. It's only been started since 2009. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, we have no data on what happens to cryptos during recessions and economic booms and busts. Time will tell, right? To me, it doesn't mean Bitcoin's bad. I actually recommend that people do own some Bitcoin. But however, due to its limited history, be aware that it's possible it could go to zero or maybe it goes 100,000. We don't know. I mean, time will tell. Mm-hmm. Um, so my thought is precious metals, on the other hand, are likely to remain around for a, a couple thousand years, several thousand years from you know when, when we all move along just because they've been around for so long. And my thought is if history repeats, you'll see precious metals do extremely well in the next
2: couple of years. Yeah, I, I I take that point. I for full disclosure, I consider myself a blockchain enthusiast and a crypto skeptic, right? And so I look at similar to what you look at and say, I know what gold can do because it's been around for centuries. But then the person who is the crypto evangelist would listen to that argument and say, Yes, but you are going to miss the boat. Imagine if you could have owned gold in so and so AD and owned it all the way through till now, or your family owned it all the way through till now and what you'd be sitting on as a position. And that's where Bitcoin is going to the moon, right? From that perspective, I get the argument. I just don't share the sentiment. Like I'm not as trusting of that system as generally folks younger than I, sure, but also just people who are evangelists for the space period.
3: Yeah, exactly.
2: But, you know, I I I will be more than happy. I'm on the record, right? So I'll be more than happy to to say if and when the time comes, you guys were right, right? You had me. But I did look so I, real quick as a quick diversion that'll help drive that point home even further. I did pay very close attention when I started to hear back in March of this year. I think it was actually last week in February when Russia was invading Ukraine, which was to me going to be one of our very first real tests of crypto being a store of value, specifically Bitcoin being a store of value or a hedge against volatility or something else, simply because there hadn't really been a meaningful war similar to what started after 9-11 in crypto's existence and Bitcoin's existence, to your point, because it came in 2009. And so we hadn't really had a meaningful test in a similar way to like world chaos that I thought we would finally get a chance to see because of Russia invading Ukraine and throwing all of Europe into a tailspin. The moment it happened, basically, the few days following, the price of gold spiked and the price of Bitcoin plummeted. And so I felt like right then in that moment, the people who are the evangelists in the space didn't really have the uh, conviction that we are to believe that they have simply because you'd be buying more of it in that particular moment not selling it off if you really see it as the thing that's going to help you know store its value long term or you know be ahead against volatility yep great so anyway a bit of a diversion but it just it, as you were talking it it was interesting to me because I, I thought back to that that use case but what other trends are you seeing you know in the precious metals Sector or industry, however you define it, that investors should be aware of.
3: Yeah, I think you're you're seeing record demand. Like I mentioned earlier, uh, you're seeing you know, sales do- more than double, customers more than double. Uh, certainly, a lot of people are getting in. Uh, mm-hmm. We're even seeing some of the, the flows in the ETFs increase uh, year over year too. So people are getting into the ETFs as well too, which brings me up to another point too. If if you do have 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 some an ETF such as a GLD or SLV, I would say be aware of what risk you're getting into. Many people never read the prospectuses of a lot of these investments that they're getting into. So if you mm-hmm. look at the GLD or SLB, they say metal is not insured, which could be a big issue if it's ever lost or damaged or stolen. In addition, they say the metal could be held at a custodian, subcustodian of a subcustodian. Just the the, the lines of ownership is a little weird there. So I I personally would say, and we're seeing it on our side too, a lot of people are getting into physical. A lot of people are getting into one gold where you have title audited insured and so
2: on. Yeah, that's a that's a very good point. I I keep using GLD as my example cuz it's the thing that I track too similar to like the SPY, you know, sure. index that tracks the S&P 500 as an example, but you're right. There's so many different funds out there and funds of funds out there that invest in precious metals one way or another that it's also important to know how direct your ownership actually is and then also what the, the exit ramp is for the company if you know it hits the fan and suddenly they've got to dissolve and return whatever's left to shareholders, if at all. But before we get ready to wrap, what would be your main message to folks who are considering incorporating precious metals into their for- portfolio, but aren't quite sure where or how to start?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. So I personally like one gold just due to its ease of use and like I said, direct ownership. We touched on it earlier a little bit about physical. It's off the grid. I would say if if you do buy physical, make sure to buy from a reputable dealer. There's a lot of people who are selling fakes, especially in these days. I would be extremely cautious if you're buying off a marketplace like eBay or something like that. There's Mm -hmm. so many fakes. If you don't know what you're doing, you could easily get burned. So I would say if, if you're buying physical, deal with an authorized dealer, but make sure you know who you're dealing with too. As I mentioned, Atmex has been in business for over 20 years. One of the most like credible precious metals dealers out there, make sure you're dealing with a trustworthy party, especially if if you're just getting into it.
2: I take that point, and to feel like I'm the overcautious guy a lot of times on this on this show when I'm talking about stuff like that. So I appreciate it that it came from you this time. But my last question actually uh, has absolutely nothing to do with you know AppMax or one gold. So you can kind of take your. Your uh, official hat off and, and sit back in your seat and relax your shoulders a little bit. But let's say for a moment you never found this passion that you have for investing in precious metals. So you had to find a different way to occupy your days, but money wasn't a factor in your decision making at all. What do you think you'd be doing right now?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, it's it's something I actually talked to my younger brother about too, because he knows that you know I've been certainly successful in precious metals, and one of the things I always tell to especially younger people too, just trying to figure out where they what where their life is taking them. I would say find out what's interesting, like what you're interested in. You know, be the best that you can at that, and success will come. In terms of my other interests, I I like luxury watches as something I buy and sell on, on my my free time. I also mm-hmm. like traveling. I've been to over fifty countries and plan on seeing several more in the
2: near future. Awesome! So you'd be a professional traveler. That goes <laughs> it was to the to the uh, what are they uh, to the different watch auctions is what I'm what I'm gathering.
3: There you go. Yeah,
2: you're, you're <laughs> but running down Christie's. Yeah. I would say just just
3: find out what interests you and and be the best at it. And like I said, success will come. You don't want to just be average at anything or you're just going to have an average, average income.
2: Fair enough. Well, I appreciate this, Patrick. This, this has been great and super educational. So I appreciate you being so generous with your time. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about you and or at max or one gold after this goes live?
3: Yeah. So I would, um, first of all, I definitely recommend people have some allocation to gold. I think it's going to do well if history repeats. Um, like I said, I personally use one gold to buy my assets. That's O-N-E-G-O-L-D.com. As a special offer too, we're also offering coupons too, for your listeners too. So there's 50% off the gold premiums. That coupon is GOLD50OFF. So gold d five zero. O F F and then 50% off the silver premiums too. that coupon is silver 50 off. So S I L V E R five, zero O F F. And then if you have any questions um, reach out to me at, at Patrick P A T R I C K dot YIP. That's Y I P at atmex.com that's dot com. And then if you want to check out this bullion card, which is that credit card, check it out at the bullion dot gold.com.
2: Awesome. Well, on that note, Eric with an A. Why don't you go ahead and close this out, sir?
4: I'd be happy to, Malcolm. Thank you so much, Patrick, for coming on the show. It was a great amount of information. It's nice to know that you'll be, you'd be, you know, if you had that opportunity, you'd be traveling because you'd have lots of time on your hands. You I mean, what I did there, right, Malcolm? All right, anyway, Malcolm, of course, thank you for bringing him on as a guest. Always learn a ton. Uh, maybe next time we can talk about rhodium. There you go. That works. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Anyway, thank you, gentlemen, for the podcast. It was fantastic. And of course, our last thank you goes to you the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Tech Money Podcast with Malcolm Etheridge. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Malcolm comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast and leave a review as this will help others find the show you can connect with Malcolm on social at Malcolm on Money. We'd love to hear from you and answer any questions you have, and you can do so by emailing them to podcast at tech-money.com. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Tech Money, our hope is that this show helped make you a little smarter about your money.
1: This has been the Tech Money Podcast. For more information on today's topic... To review the show notes or to catch up on past episodes, be sure to check out malcolmetheridge.com slash podcast. And if you have an idea for a show topic that you'd like us to cover or you want to send us feedback, the web address again is malcolmetheridge.com. You can also find Malcolm across all social media platforms at Malcolm on Money. This episode was written and created by Malcolm Etheridge with the production, the editing and sound controls powered by Proudmouth. This has been a Malcolm on Money original. Thank you for listening. The information shared in this recording and by its guests...
0: you